Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here this morning. This morning, we will be continuing our sermon series titled Connected. So the series covers our vision, our mission, and our values here as a church. So I'll try to be brief since we have been going over this every single week for the past couple months. So Maple Plain Community Church's vision is to be a place to connect. Our church is about building relationships with God and with others. And our mission supports this vision. And our mission is as follows. Connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. And then our values are what drive our mission that supports our vision. Those values that we have drive our mission. These values, you can see, are posted on the screen on the graphic, but looking at this graphic, you're also seeing our discipleship process in action. First, to connect with God, come worship God in community, prayer, reading the Bible, which you're doing right now, so great work, everyone. Then the second step is to get connected to a connection group here. We have lots of connection groups that meet throughout the week, including Bible studies in person or that meet on Zoom, Sunday morning connection groups as well, and life groups. And our connection groups are posted in the bulletin and they're posted on our website or just talk with me if you're interested in getting connected with one. And the last part of our mission is to connect others with God. And Pastor Dominic has been sharing about evangelism for the past few weeks and we'll be talking about that a little bit more today as well, about how serving Christ where God has placed and gifted you helps share the gospel message with people here, near, and far. The main point of our mission and vision here at MPCC is to make sure that all of us are moving through each part of the mission together. We don't want you just to attend our church, but we want you to get plugged in here into a connection group here. Because it is so important for a follower of Jesus to be plugged into a smaller Christian community studying God's word together. But beyond being a part of a connection group, another element that helps us grow within our relationship with Christ is to serve in the church which helps us to share the message of Jesus with others, right? And someone can join a part of any part of this process. So someone could join a connection group first and start building relationships there. Or someone could start serving in various roles, like helping in the tech booth or participating on the greeter team. All of these are examples of how serving along with people is the fast track to building relationships and friendships, with others. So this year we have a list of goals for each part of a mission. For the connect with God, we have the give him 10, where we spend 10 minutes in scriptures and in prayer daily. And then for connect with others, we want to see two thirds of people who attend our church, roughly 67%, connected to a connection group here at the church. This past month, we're at 58% connection rate, which is awesome. Still room to grow. But then our big goal for this year is our connect others with God goal. It's our reach 200 goal. We want everyone who attends our weekly service to share the good news of Jesus with one person. And we're tracking it for the purpose of celebrating along with you to know that somebody heard the gospel of Jesus 
Christ. If you had shared this message with someone, we have a form on our homepage. That's just right there. It's a little button. Or you can go to mpcommunitychurch.org slash reach 200. Or you can just talk to one of us staff members. I know quite a few of you have just talked to us, and we'll just, we're just tracking it that way, which is awesome. But we just want to celebrate along with you to know that somebody shared the message of Jesus with someone. And since we have started tracking it, we have shared the gospel message with 21 people so far, which is just amazing. It's awesome to hear so many of your encouraging stories and just also just to hear you guys talk with us after the service or throughout the week of various ways that you can help reach out to your neighbors to strategize, figure out what do you think is the best way, Chris? What do you think is the best way of helping to reach out to my neighbor? I want them to know the message of Jesus. Do you have any ideas of how I can do this? So it's awesome to hear that just because the gospel is being spread. And it's also encouraging to hear various connection groups also going over this as well, of praying for one another, of praying for people to hear who need to hear the message of Jesus, just praying for each other by name, praying for those who need to hear the gospel message. And that's why we exist as a church, is to be disciples who are disciple makers. So, for this week, we are moving on to the fourth part about talking about evangelism. We've been talking about evangelism for the past three weeks now, and going over the importance of sharing Jesus with others. And our passage for today will build on the importance of evangelism by going through Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And we'll be primarily focusing on verse 8 for today. So open up your Bibles if you have them. We'll be going through Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And it'll, the words will also be on the screen as well. But before we dive into God's word, let's just open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your words. We thank you so much for the gift of the Bible. Lord, and pray that you just open up our eyes, that you would open up our ears to hear what you have to say to us today and what you want to reveal to us through your scripture, Lord. Speak to us today. Speak to our hearts and speak to our minds. We love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, so Acts chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 1 and go to 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you 
will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them, hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So as a reminder, Luke is the person who wrote the book of Acts. And he also wrote the gospel of Luke. The book of Acts is a continuation of the gospel of Luke, kind of like a part two. The gospel of Luke has a two-verse summary of the ascension of Jesus whereas the book of Acts describes the ascension in eight verses. Jesus tells his apostles that they are to wait in Jerusalem, that John baptized with water, and that in a few days they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. With our knowledge, we know that that happened at Pentecost, that you could read about in chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. And then his disciples asked Jesus, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? This question points to the Jewish hope that God would establish his rule in such a way that the people of Israel would be freed from their enemies, especially the Romans who they are currently being ruled by, and, then, and be established as a nation where other people would be subservient to them. But Jesus does not directly answer his disciples' question. Instead, Jesus directly tells them that it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus does not fill the desires of his disciples to know when the end is coming, but rather gives them instructions and a command on what they should be doing right now. So Jesus ascends into heavens, two men in white robes, angels appear, and asks them why they are staring at the sky and that he will come back the same way. But the angels are essentially saying, get to work on the task that Jesus gave you. And that, that's what we will be focusing on today, is the task that Jesus has given all of us. So, first point, in verse, a, verse 8, verse a, verse 8, we draw a first point, that the Holy Spirit empowers us. So this is a connecting statement that we have here. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be Jesus' witness to testify, to be his representatives, to be his ambassadors, to be an evangelist. Every single believer in Christ upon the moment of conversion has been empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a witness of Jesus Christ. Therefore, every single believer has the gift of evangelism. This is a great privilege, but yet, it's also a great responsibility. 
that has been placed on every single follower of Jesus Christ. And our first point is to recognize the Holy Spirit work, Holy Spirit's work throughout the entire process. We don't do this by our own accord. We don't do it by our own strength, but it is through the Holy Spirit's power. Through the Holy Spirit's strength that we are able to be witnesses for Jesus and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see in Luke 12, verses 11 through 12, that the Holy Spirit will give us the words to say. So this is from Luke 12. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves. Or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Do you want to know how to become a better listener to the Holy Spirit? It is through reading your Bible, praying, and being connected to a Christian community. right? Connecting with God and connecting with others. All those factors will help you be a better listener to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will help give you the words to say when you need to share the gospel message with someone. And as Dominic was sharing this last week, prayer is a foundational element when it comes to evangelism. Pray that you would be a vessel of the Holy Spirit. Pray for someone in your life that needs to know Jesus. And if no one comes to mind, Pray that someone would cross your mind. Pray that someone would come to mind that you could be praying for. Be be in prayer for conversations to occur. Be in prayer for specific people. And be open to asking people if there is anything you can pray for. It's really amazing what happens when you can just ask someone if you can pray for them. Most people are open to the idea of you praying for someone's needs. If you just ask, how can I be praying for you? Even someone that has little to no faith background will be open to sharing how you can be praying for them. And that can just be a pathway to sharing the gospel message with someone. Remember that also that the Holy Spirit is at work in the lives of the unbelievers. We see proof of this in John 16, 8, where Jesus says, and when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. That is why it is so important for us to be praying for the Holy Spirit to be working in the lives of people that need to know Jesus. God has gone before us in every conversation and encounter that we will ever have. And prayer and the work of the Holy Spirit together are the foundational elements of evangelism. And when we look at what Jesus says, he tells his disciples that you will be my witnesses, that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be Jesus' witnesses. So first, let's look at the word witness. So New Testament was written in Greek, In the Greek word for witness is translated as martus, which means to be a witness, to testify, testimony. The word martyr is found in that word. 
right? Someone who is a martyr is someone who dies for what they believe in. A witness describes what they have seen and they testify to the truth that they know. If someone was a witness to a crime, they are called to testify or describe in detail what they saw. That is an element of being a witness, is to tell the truth. Tell the gospel of Jesus Christ. Being able to articulate the message of the good news of Jesus, being able to explain the hope that you have in Jesus. But the word witness is also a twofold word. So we look at the word testimony in it, and it is your life and your conduct. We have both. So it is word and then also your actions, right? So we have word and actions. Does your life, does your conduct, do your actions point to the new life of Jesus? This doesn't mean that we're perfect and we all have flaws. For those who trust in Jesus as Savior have been justified through faith in him. Your relationship with Jesus and his work on the cross has restored your relationship to the Father. We have eternal life through the work of Jesus on the cross and through his resurrection. And then sanctification, we are continually empowered through the work of the Holy Spirit with our cooperation and effort are being made to look more like Jesus. And this is a process. And sometimes it is a messy and beautiful process because we are not perfect and we'll make mistakes, but God still chose to work with us and God still works with us to be his witnesses in our broken world. So I was standing outside the other day when I was watching the snowfall. Hopefully it doesn't continue to happen that much more. <laughs> but as I was watching the snowfall, I was reminded that no two snowflakes are the same, which kind of just boggles my mind because just within my viewing distance as I was watching, I saw probably millions of snowflakes fall, which was probably about a few miles distance and I was watching for a few minutes. But just a fun fact of trivia. Does anyone here know how many snowflakes fall in a calendar year? <laughs> you didn't Google this before you came here? Well, good thing I did. So... Scientists estimate that there are around one septillion snowflakes that fall in a calendar year. So for those who don't know septillion, that is one with 24 zeros after it. That is a lot of snowflakes. But to be more precise, it's probably a septillion and seven snowflakes that fall each year. That was a joke. <laughs> Thank you, Chris, for laughing. <laughs> And what, what is crazy is that each snowflake is unique. Where the snowflake is formed in the atmosphere, all the variations of temperature within the atmosphere, the moisture content of each snowflake, right? There's so many different factors that go into making a snowflake that there's no snowflake that is identical. Sure, they may look like one another, but there are no identical snowflakes because all those are different variations that take place within the creation of a snowflake. Similarly, every person has a unique 
testimony. Every person here does not have the identical story. We might have similar stories. We might have similar backgrounds. And everyone has a different story to share. And that's where the beauty of all of this is, is us having all the role, the responsibility, and the privilege to sharing the gospel message, right? There are different stories that we have, but it's the same gospel message that has been around for the past 2,000 years, the salvation that is found in Jesus Christ. Each one of us has our own unique story, our own testimony of how we came to know Jesus and how God works in each one of our lives, each one communicating a unique story, communicating the same message of salvation, of where Jesus came to us and how he changed and transformed our lives. And that's how, through our testimony, and that's through our stories that we have, that is how we can reach other people. Your story is for his purpose And it can be used to reach others for Jesus. Do you see where I'm getting at here? Awesome. We are told by Jesus that we, us, disciples of Jesus, will be witnesses. So, looking at the word, will. Jesus does not say, well, let me know what you're thinking about this whole witness thing. Will be my witness is a command. It is an expectation, responsibility, but it is a privilege that God would let us be his ambassadors for him. It is something that we are all to do, which leads us to our final point, that every single believer in Christ has been empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a witness of Jesus Christ And every single believer has the gift of evangelism and is commanded by Jesus himself to evangelize. So I was just saying that this is a great privilege, but it's also a great responsibility that has been placed on every follower of Jesus Christ, that every single believer in Jesus is a missionary. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Geographically, for that area, Jerusalem is in the center of that region of Judea, which is within the region of Samaria. And then the ends of the earth is everywhere outside of that area. So as we bring this closer to our context, what Jesus is saying is, Jerusalem, he's saying, to be a witness in your hometown. For us, Jesus is calling us to be witnesses here in Maple Plain, Minnesota, to be witnesses here in the western metro of Minneapolis. We are to be witnesses, to be Christ's representatives, to be evangelists, to be missionaries to our neighborhood. Your neighborhood is your Jerusalem the mission field that God has called you to. I personally, Allison and I pray for our neighbors daily and that it is our intention to continue to pray for and to seek opportunities to connect with them beyond knowing just their names and their street addresses. 
And next, Jesus calls us to Judea and Samaria, which in our context would be considered our state of Minnesota or the United States. And then an example of us is an example of this is us partnering with various organizations that help in the greater Minnesota or United States. For example, MPCC partners with and supports Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, which is an amazing ministry and addiction recovery organization that comes to host a worship service here at MPCC every June. And that's going to be the last Sunday in June for us this year. Next, Jesus calls us to be witnesses to the ends of the earth, which means everywhere. And it is amazing to see our church's heart and passion for global missions. We support many full-time vocational global missionaries as a church financially and through prayer. You can read all about the work of the missionaries we support around the world in the missions booklet, which is found right in the back of the lobby. And we also send various teams out on mission trips. For example, we just had a group come back from Uganda this past year, and you just heard Phil talk about the mission trip to West Virginia coming up. And it continues to be exciting to see where God continues to lead us as a church within global missions. And one thing to recognize is that this all happens at the same time. We are reaching out to our neighbors. We are reaching out to our larger state of Minnesota. And then we are helping support those who are in different countries. Or if God calls us to those places, we follow that calling. The point is, is that we are all missionaries. I was tempted to print out certificates to hand out to you all that says, I am a missionary, but I didn't do it. (laughs) Clearly, yes, I didn't do it. But God has placed you where you are. He has placed you within your vocation or role or job that you have to be a missionary in that spot. And Pastor Dominic discussed last week about how the Apostle Paul was the greatest missionary of all time. And do you know a fun fact about Paul? In addition to sharing about Christ in synagogues, Parthenons, and city squares, Paul was a working tent maker. You can read about Paul's work in Acts 18, where Paul stops to stay and work with fellow tent makers Priscilla and Aquila, where you can see in Acts 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, where he met a Jew named Aquila, a native to Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Did Paul make literal tents? Perhaps he did, but the Greek translation for tent maker could also be translated to leather, goat hair, and textiles. So essentially, Paul was likely more of a traveling jack-of-all-trades. So taking this into consideration, Paul was a craftsman and the greatest missionary of all time. And we can look to to Paul as an example of how God calls us to be evangelists using the skills and the gifts and the opportunities before us every day. Just like we heard a few weeks ago in Charlie Beaner's testimony about bringing his friend to Christ, He used his profession and trade as a diesel mechanic to reach out to somebody that needed to hear the message of Jesus, to reach out to somebody that needed to hear the message of hope in Christ. 
Every area that Jesus describes in this commandment is just as important as the other. Every one of us is a missionary. Our Jerusalem is just as important as Judea and Samaria, and our Judea and Samaria is just as important as the ends of the earth. And it's truly neat to see this lived out by believers everywhere. Missions is for all people in all places. And in closing, be in prayer. Be in prayer for who you think needs to hear the gospel message. Whether that be a neighbor, friend, family member, coworker, pray for someone. Pray, pray that someone would come to mind if someone's not coming to mind. Pray for that person. Continually pray for that person. Pray that their hearts and their minds would be softened to hear the message of the gospel. Pray that the right opportunity would come up. And when that does come up, pray that the Holy Spirit would give you the right words at the right time and that it would be done in grace and truth. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for the privilege for being your ambassadors to our world. We pray that you would empower and strengthen your church through the power of your Holy Spirit to be better witnesses for you. I pray that as we leave here today, I pray that you would put on our hearts and minds the desire to see lost people, to find faith in you, and find salvation through your name. Give us a name we should be praying for and discernment on how we should approach those conversations. I pray for softened hearts for these conversations and that we would see a massive influx of people who come into salvation in your name, not just here within the Western Metro, but here in Minnesota, the United States, and the entire world, Lord. Help us to be disciples that are disciple makers. We love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.